Hello, people of the internet. How's it going today? How you doing? I'm Billy Bones, and this is a walk through the mind. A moment where we can sit down, hang out, chit-chat, discuss a handful of ideas that have been bouncing around inside my head and see if we can't take those ideas for ourselves and go out and get the conversation started with friends, family, the people we meet on the street, or maybe we just get those gears turning within our own heads and see where it takes us. So victory is mine. I have learned how to record on the TV. Took me long enough. Luckily, I didn't have to go through a VHS player into an RCA adapter into the video capture card on the old computer just to get it uploaded. Now, got it all figured out. And so today, I would like to employ the help of Good Morning America in what I would like to talk about today. So we'll just open up with their little intro. So we just learned from the organization American Rivers that part of the Colorado River, the part around the Grand Canyon, well, it has been named the most endangered river in our nation. The whole river and its critical reservoirs, Lake Mead, Lake Powell, they've been seeing historic lows. But now we are learning about a major ramp up of a tool that gives Mother Nature a boost. It's called weather modification or cloud seeding. I studied this stuff, but it has changed dramatically since even 20 years ago. And it's happening right now in 10 states across the Western United States. Weather modification or cloud seeding definitely caught my attention. I left for work late when I realized this was coming on. I double-checked to make sure that the recording was going to catch this. I believe in climate change. I believe that man has an effect on climate change. I believe that we are not as much to blame as people say we are, and yet I believe we do have our fair share to blame on things that we have done uh, to affect things. I'm a bigger uh, proponent of cleaning up pollution and not being terrible stewards of the earth. But it's human ingenuity that goes out to fix things. Uh, there seems to be a problem with the Colorado River having historic lows and droughts and whatnot. But it's not really droughts. Uh, through my little bit of study, there's an individual that they chopped up. I'll see if I play the clip. GMA chopped him up them all in here. Individual goes by the name of Brad Udall. Erdall? Udall? Link in the show notes. He's been watching the Colorado River for a long, long time. Lots and lots of years. And came across one of his little PowerPoint presentations. And he's got a funky little chart in there that shows that Lake Powell has been on a ever slight decrease. Lake Powell being a man-made lake with the damming of the Colorado River, a fantastic source of water and energy for quite a number of people coming from Colorado through Nevada into Arizona, California, and a little bit of Mexico, all taking bits and pieces of it, making the most use of the water possible. But due to our climate change, we'll get back to this little presentation. Climate change, we've got to fix this. There's not enough water. So how do we fix that? We don't just fill up the watering can and pour water in there. No, we fly airplanes with gasoline. And then on that 
gasoline, we've got little flares to go up into the sky and re- release little bits. My apologies, I've skipped a bit. Uh, we should learn a little bit about how much this, this river uh, offers all of these states. The river provides hydropower to seven states, irrigation to more than 5 million acres of farmland, drinking water to 40 million Americans, and of course, the breathtaking whitewater rapids running through the Grand Canyon. All of it threatened by more than two decades in a mega drought. Again, the mega drought definitely is not, I'm not going to agree with that. I'm going to agree with, again, Bob, Brad Udall. I hope I'm saying that name correctly. In what he more or less believes is going on. It's not necessarily a drought. Again, a drought is a lower number, a lower quantity of precipitation happening. And that's not necessarily what's going on. Uh, That Brad Udall presentation showed a chart with precipitation amounts. But in a rearranged order to show something that he never got around to in his presentation. For showing where the equal amount of water would appear. So I went through and rearranged, found all the totals, generalized the precipitation totals. There's some years that are lean. There's some years that are heavy. All in all, everything kind of goes at a normal flow. And I wouldn't necessarily call it a drought. Not from the numbers that I've seen. Back to the presentation once again. So we learn about some the companies and specifically what they're doing. There are currently 42 cloud seeding projects across the American West, like this one in Utah, where they take planes like this with flares attached. They fly right into the storm and send microscopic particles into the cloud. Particles that act like magnets for water droplets, bonding together until they are heavy enough to fall to the ground as rain or snow. Science is fantastic. We have figured out, if you take little bits of this, silver iodide and release them as little atomic particles up into the sky, little teeny tiny ones. They help attract water and the way, at least I recall from public schooling, is when enough water droplets gather together in a cloud, they collect all the extra dust that's floating around, which is why the cloud gets all dark, and the rain comes down. That's how cloud seeding is supposed to work. Again, the The water droplets get a little bit heavier and they start falling. And especially when they have to go up and over a mountain, the pressure differences, the cloud needs to get lighter to make it up and over the mountain. And so it magically releases the the rain. And so with this magical little bit of science that we've got, releasing these bits of silver into the air, we're able to get more snowpack. Cammons, whose pilot showed us a cloud seeding demonstration flight, says that cloud seeding can make 3 to 15% more snowpack. That water could be priceless. It can make the difference of adding a couple weeks to your irrigation cycle for your crops. In fact, the lower Colorado River Basin states of Arizona, Nevada, and California actually pay for cloud seeding all the way over here in Utah to increase their snowpack that will melt into the Colorado River. A little bit of socialist activity for some of the greater good. Again, engaging in some of that science. whole bunch of states chipping in, doing their part to make sure that the water, well, the snow is going to be there. So the snow can slowly melt off and add to the Colorado River and flow downstream. 
And so we've got California and Arizona chipping in, pitching in, doing their part to make sure that the the supplies make it there and the planes are fueled and the pilots are paid. So that way, again, Colorado gets that snow. And we're gonna we're probably gonna even make it cheaper. We're gonna we're gonna have to fire some pilots. But this way we can it's not that you just go up there and create the storm. The storm already has to be there. The the moisture has to be in the air. You don't just summon rain clouds. But all in good time, like I said, we'll we'll go ahead and get rid of those pesky humans flying the planes because they definitely cost too much. At the University of Colorado, researchers are working on artificial intelligence to deploy cloud seeding drones. And it's not just cloud seeding from the sky. There are hundreds of those things. That shack you see in the foreground is a ground-based cloud seeder. The little flame coming out is sending tiny silver iodide particles up into the sky. When a storm comes through, they go up to 2,000 feet above our head, into the storm, up those mountains, and make more snow than it naturally would. So for those of you without the video feed, what they showed was a little bit more than a glorified outhouse with a little metal box on top with a flame coming out of it, specifically burning up those particles, whereas the plane flies up into the center of the the mass of air, the, the densely populated hydrogen, the H2O atoms. This one just kind of sprinkles it in there and lets the wind carry it all up in there. So we've had this going around. We can even reference the earlier clip of the lady when she said that she's been studying this for years and in the last 20 years it's changed quite a bit and seeding clouds a lot longer than I thought we had. But as we continue looking at some of the storms, we I don't know if you guys were paying attention to the news lately, but uh, just over the past couple months it's been climate change storms just hammering the Rockies. While cloud seeding has been helping get every last drop out of some of the driest years on record, this past winter, Mother Nature came through. The Southern Rockies, which feed the Colorado River, got more than four times their average snow. But experts say it's still not enough. It would take five or six years, just like this year, to refill this system. And most people, myself included, think we will never, ever see these reservoirs refill again. So even with ramped up cloud seeding, something has to give. It's really hard to tease apart, you know, what's overuse and and, and what's climate change. Agriculture is somewhere around 75% of all water use in the lower basin. The cities are actually quite a tiny part. So it comes down to what's ag going to do about this? That male voice was Mr. Brad Oodle. Had a terrible time searching his name. Kept calling him Bob. His name's Brad. But we've been in the middle of a mega drought. And yet somehow this year doesn't qualify as the mega drought. When we get to next year, will we still be in a mega drought? Or will we remember that the massive snowpack happened this year and it's just going to kind of be water under the bridge so to speak but as you heard mr oodle and there's say that big ag big agriculture is 70 percent of all of the water used which is kind of crazy uh, you look into what arizona did way back in the day when this was designed again the audio on mr oodle's presentation is kind of terrible for 2014 but the information is in there to kind of learn and send you down the path of the Arizona Water Project that took water from the Colorado River on the west side of the state where Arizona borders 
Nevada and California, and they sent it all the way east to Phoenix and even further over to Tucson. They've got a giant aqueduct taking water. Man-made climate change, if you will. Taking water. I guess it's not climate change. They're not changing the climate. Man-made habitat change. Taking a whole bunch of water and putting it to good use and giving it to the people of two major cities. But the big ag part, there's a lot of farming in, in Arizona, but there's quite the collection of of farming in California. Again, you'll have to check the show notes. I've got some fantastic uh, imagery through the United States Board of Statistics, the census data that shows just how much agriculture is in the very southern portion of California. Because there's only seven counties that receive water from the uh, Colorado watershed. And it's rather massive uh, for what is sent, again, specifically just to farms. But again, we've got this problem. We've got this, this mega drought that's going on. And so, Uncle Sam coming to the rescue. Just last week, the Department of Interior announced the federal government might have to step in to help make the cuts that we need to preserve the Colorado River. That would be an unprecedented move. The federal government also has committed 2.6 million more for cloud seeding, and I just learned that the weather modification programs anticipate adding at least another 200 of those ground-based cloud seeding machines before next season. So they're really ramping yeah. up. $2.6 million from the federal government to help bolster what California, Arizona, Nevada, and Colorado aren't able to chip in all on their own. And maybe that's more specifically for the entire West Coast. Uh, they definitely did not go into any of the additional states that are going on. Ten states, and I know they included New Mexico in there, but they never really kind of covered New Mexico. And maybe the 200 machines are, again for all over the West Coast, or maybe just more specifically to target the Rocky Mountains in Colorado and really get all that snow, every last drop of water, out of the sky and onto the Rockies instead of over and into the Great Plains where it might want to fall down a little bit more. But one little bonus bit on the, on the GMA presentation, and we shall continue our conversation. And I know I asked you this during the piece because people were asking as well, environmentally safe, what is being put up there? All the research shows that the amount of silver iodide that makes it to the ground is negligible. All right. Yeah. All the silver iodide that makes it to the ground is negligible. Maybe for human consumption. And maybe, maybe in the general sense of things. I'm obviously not a scientist. I am merely a lowly podcaster. But I guess we can... One more little thing. I guess we'll throw in those... Brad Udall clips, maybe I even doubled up on one of them, but we'll see what Mr. Udall says from the clippings of the GMA presentation. This is due to two causes, reductions in precipitation and increased air temperatures. We're now seeing flows in the Colorado River that we've never seen before since records were kept. There's actually a better term for what we're in. An ongoing aridification of the American West. Aridification means the warming and drying, the long-term warming and drying, is permanent. It's not temporary. And that's actually something I might be able to get behind. Uh, if the air temperature is increasing, uh, such as it is. Decreased precipitation. 
But again, the reordering of my little chart for my personal notes seems to show that there's a, a little bit less, but it's not significantly less. And maybe we're just going through a little bit of a drought, a dry spell, or maybe it is legitimate. But again, looking at the Mr. Oodle's presentation, the levels of Lake Powell and all the other ones are definitely decreasing. There's not as much water coming in as going out. That sounds kind of terrible. But at the same time, we're definitely using as we should, I guess. We should use the, the river for the best of what we can, the most of what we can as well. But should we be surprised when, again, the Earth's climate changes? And is it due to us? One of the big things I foresee, or not foresee, question, is all of that silver iodide. When it goes up into the air, it helps collect the water. I guess this is something I could have scienced on my own and looked up, but when it comes down to the ground, what does the silver iodide do? What goes up must come down. It's bonded with the water. Does it excess bond the water, or does it treat the water like salt? You know, when you add salt to water, it lowers the freezing temperature and raises the boiling temperature. I guess that would make it stick to the ground just a little bit longer. But at the same time, how many of those little silver iodide particles are we releasing up into the air? And when it comes down into the ground, what does that effect do? Does it dry out the land? It's a term called salting the earth that when you went through with your Dark Ages army, I guess we'll be generic on that. You came through, you wiped out your enemy, and to rub salt in the wound, quite literally, put salt down on the earth. Just put salt down on the earth, and it would collect all of the water, and plants wouldn't be able to grow. Might that be part of our problem with the aridification, arid being the base word, of the Colorado River? Maybe. Or again, what are we doing with that silver iodide? Again, we want the we want the rain to come down. We want the precipitation. We want the snowpack in the mountains so that way all of the people in California, Arizona, can get their water to drink. All seven states, whichever seven states those are, can get their hydropower. We want people to have useful electricity. We want the farms. We want the cows and the chickens to have water. We want the crops to have water. California is a big farm-producing state. So we want these things. We've built infrastructure around this natural thing. And we've done our little bit of sciencing to control the weather, control the flow of the water, to make it more usable for everybody. But what's happened again, when we take all that water, the precipitation, dump it down on top of the Rockies, and we don't let it go further. Is there a repercussion, an outcome that we cannot foresee, that that water should have gone somewhere else? Eh, it's just going to end up over there in Kansas, and nobody's in Kansas. What do we care? They ain't growing anything in Kansas. Give all the water to the, the people in Colorado so it goes down the river. Because if we don't get the water in the river, there's people in Tucson and Phoenix. And all those cities in Southern California and all those places in Nevada can be screwed. How do we balance all of that out? Is this the appropriate thing to do? Maybe. 
Very much quite possibly. Or should we learn to ebb and flow with the water? Should we understand that sometimes the earth decides to go through changes? Good thing the Sahara never was a tropical forest or anything like that. No massive rainfalls. Good thing there wasn't ice caps on top of the North American continent down to the Mason-Dixon line. No, things have been pretty steady. Things will continue to be pretty steady. But we are very resourceful. We definitely do our way of thinking things through, making the most out of it, adapting, improving, and overcoming certain situations that are presented to themselves, be that genetic engineering of plants to make sure that they're more drought-resistant, or cloud seeding. It's called weather modification. Thank you. My bad. What other things within nature might we have overpromised or underdelivered? What other ways can we go through and fix the things that we might have screwed up? Just the other day, there's a little sidebar of a topic, but still on the similar kind of track of things with Earth Day and now the not-so-distant past. There was a presentation on manatees on the radio the other day and how that they're a thriving community. I remember when I was in school, everybody was talking about save the manatees, save the manatees, because people would start, they would float through the, the manatees would float through these islands of underwater vegetation. People wouldn't see them. Manatees would get messed up by the propellers on the back end of the motor. But nowadays, due to that public information, that overwhelming amount of information that was handed out to us and as school kids to save the manatees. Well, the good news is there's a thriving population now down in Florida, which is kind of what the goal was. A little bit more awareness on what we're doing, making sure that we're not abusing things left and right, making sure that we're taking care of things in the proper way that we're supposed to, not being reckless. And so positive change can happen as long as we accept the things that we're, we've done, the things that we're aiming to do, the things that we're aiming to fix. And positive things are available out there, but we have to be willing to have that conversation of what is the right thing. And your right thing might be different from my right thing. Or again, maybe there's just that one little bit in the middle that we can all get together on and somehow appropriately agree to get that conversation started and going. But I've been Billy Bones. B-I-L-L-Y-B-O-N, the number three S. You find me on Twitter and Mastodon, at Billy Bones. Uh, at Billy Bones at NoAgendaSocial.com uh, on the Fediverse if you're looking for me there. Got a website, BillyBones.com. Remember that's spelled with the number three instead of an E. You can go there. You find show notes. Got quite a few today for your perusal. Go Go dig in, find some information, find some ideas, get some talking points to back up your talking points. And this is a value for value podcast. I release this podcast with no advertisers, no sponsors, no paywall. So that way I can say whatever I want to say without worrying about anybody taking away my paycheck. And And the way value for value works is I put this out. Hoping that you find value in it. 
I believe I put some value in it. If you did find value, the first thing that I ask that you do is you give this show a share. Maybe someone else gets a talking point. It's an idea to start those gears turning. We can get that conversation just a little bit further down the road. But if you found that this show was worth monetary value, be that Federal Reserve Freedom Units, otherwise known as the U.S. dollar, you can go to the website, click that value for value button, take you to PayPal, and you can chip in, you can donate, and support the show like today's executive producer, Sir Sean of the Allegheny Valley, sending in $15. Thank you very much, sir, for your continued support. And for those of you who don't believe in the U.S. dollar anymore, or maybe you don't have access to the U.S. dollar, and all you have is Bitcoin, little teeny tiny bits of Bitcoin we like to call Satoshis, you can be like uh, C. Brooklyn, who dropped in a Billy Boost with 3,166 sats, and Weirdo, as he listened to the last episode, the Honorable Princess Boots, he was streaming, but he also sent in a 9,500 Satoshi Boost, saying, a boost through the mind. The unconditional love of a good dog is a treasure that only fortune w- the fortunate will experience. Thank you, C. Brooklyn. Thank you, Weirdo. And thank you again, Sir Sean of the Allegheny Valley, for your support. And to everybody else out there, thank you very much for listening. I love you guys, and I'll talk to you next week.